Hi, welcome back, everybody. It's Dr. J.D. Romick. Is posture really as important as you think it is? Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Dr. J.D. Romick here with the George Fox Talks Body Edition. And I've got a very special guest today. We actually have Ryan Bogus on today. He's a doctor of physical therapy owns his own company called Headquarters Physical Therapy, where they see anywhere from elite and professional athletes to everyday average people in the corporate wellness world. So today we're going to be talking about things that you can do if you are working a corporate job or some type of um, maybe labor intensive job or not, and how you can optimize your health at work and doing things that... um, that really honor your health and wellness while you can't exactly hit the gym or maybe your professional job isn't to be an athlete. But welcome, Ryan. Super Thank happy you, to have Judy. you. I appreciate it. I don't know if I hit everything. What else would you like us to know about you? Uh, I was part of the first cohort to ever go through That's the right. PT program here, That's which right. was a huge honor. Uh, changed my life. Incredible experience being here at George Fox. Uh, and that whole experience truly springboarded me to eventually, you know, open, start my own company, headquarters, physical therapy, like you mentioned. Um, it's interesting, uh, like you mentioned, this wide spectrum of mm-hmm. people that sure show up in my office or, you know, you mentioned like this corporate wellness world where we're out in the community, you know, trying to influence positive change in people's lives, uh, at their job, at their office, on a construction job site, in a manufacturing yeah. uh, area at a company. I mean, you name it. So yeah. it's just, uh, it's kind of interesting to see this wide spectrum of people. And it's also interesting how the same health and wellness principles that, you know, if we have a professional athlete in the office and we're yeah. thinking about things like, Nutrition, stress management, sleep, movement, strength conditioning. I mean, you name it across the board, this like spectrum of, of wellness. The principles that drive our uh, practices for professional athletes are yeah. truly the exact same principles that we're bringing to people in a manufacturing job. Right. And it's just like the lens changes a yeah. little bit. You have to get to know the person you're interacting with and you have to start to build a relationship and understand what's important to them Mm because it's probably different yeah really for any individual we encounter and then take that lens and then start to put these principles of health and wellness through the lens of that individual to make it uh something that's important to them so wow because if you look at corporate wellness um i saw in forbes uh 2020 the billions of dollars of um, healthcare or lost revenue from sick employees, whether it's mental health, physical health, um, or disability from injury, the amount that corporations spend on people's health after the fact is ridiculous. It's a lot of money. So why not invest in people? And I would say that maybe it's within the last decade, people have really caught on to this idea of corporate wellness. Maybe we should take care of people before they get injured. Yeah. We had Kim Eppin on and she talked about the best healthcare is self-care. Yeah. And if you're not taking care of yourself, it's really easy to kind of fall behind on these really basic things that, that keep you well. Mm -hmm. And 
don't cost you financially. Yeah. So not only to the employer, but to the employee or whoever you're working for, if you're missing out on work, that's a huge part of your life. And some people that paycheck is everything. hundred percent. So I'm curious, how, how did that become such an inspiration for you guys to work in the corporate wellness sector and what types yeah. of things do you touch on? So interesting story about even just getting started mm-hmm. in corporate wellness. So, um, it literally fell into our lap. It was never something I started out with this like intention to do, but long story short, I, uh, my dad works in construction and uh, he's an executive for a big construction company. And I had an event downtown and it just so happened. I, uh, called my dad and said, Hey, can I stop by for lunch? And he's like, yeah, sure. Let's grab some lunch. So stop by his office and as dads do, you know, he wanted to introduce me to his boss. Yeah. Say, yeah, this is my son, Ryan, and he has a company and they work with professional athletes and they do nutrition and all this stuff. And his boss kind of looks at me and he goes, Hey, have you ever thought about putting something like that together, but more for like employees of companies? And I was like, No, but that's a really good idea. Yeah. You know, so he's like, Well, yeah, just maybe put together a proposal and like send it to me. And I was like, What's a proposal? I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to do that. And so uh, we ended up, we went literally to the drawing board, to the whiteboard and started just like piecing together, like what in our eyes would be like an ideal wellness program uh, based on the principles, just like I talked about that we use every day in the clinic. What would that look like for, you know, an employee of a company? And that's really how it came to be. And you touched on, you know, some of the financial benefit for the companies. And it's interesting for us as we talk to different companies about why would they want to invest in a corporate wellness program? The reasons can be very different. Yeah. You might have a company who is really interested in like the dollars and cents, like, Hey, how Mm -hmm. can this save us on absenteeism? How can this save us on medical costs, insurance costs, premiums, et cetera? How can we reduce Uh, injury risk or injury Mm -hmm. prevention and that sort of thing. And then you have these other companies who are really fun to work with who are like, hey, we just really love our people. We have a culture here where we take care of each other. And what can we do to enhance the quality of life for our employees? You know, like dollars and cents, don't really care so much about it. It's like, we just want to offer something cool for the employees, you know? Um, So that's kind of the the spectrum of people or like approaches that companies will take to corporate wellness. Um, The things that we talk about, I mentioned already, Mm -hmm. right? Like stress management is a huge one. Huge. And it's funny because when you think stress management, you don't typically think physical therapy. Yeah. But it is funny, like even people that we see in the office, you know, who might be dealing with chronic pain, Mm -hmm. right? If, they're, if they've been dealing with that for long periods of time and their autonomic nervous system, basically what's running all the background stuff, the stuff that you're not thinking yeah. about, but is just happening, everything from brainwave activity to hormones to digestion to um, pupil dilation and heart rate variability and all these things are just going on in the background. Yeah. If we don't address stress management, you know, kind of reorienting their autonomic nervous system to be in a place where they're adaptable. We probably like, no matter what we add to the equation, exercise wise or hands-on manual therapy, whatever it is, it's probably not 
going to lead to a positive adaptation because they're not in a place physiologically where they can adapt. Right. So we do tackle things like stress management from a PT standpoint. And then we also have people uh, on staff that, you know, are mental health practitioners as well. So literal uh, clinical psychologists. We have other companies that we work with who are very like there's a a group of realtors that we work with and they're like very they're winners. You know, they have to get out there and compete and win. Yeah. And so we have um, like a sports psychologist that we work with that works with them also, you know, so it's the stress management piece is really interesting. Uh, Sleep uh, is a big one. We have nutritionists, dietitians on staff at HQ who work with people in the clinic, but then also put together programming for our corporate wellness side. Uh, All of our PTs have specific niches and Mm -hmm. we build on those niches to develop events and programs. Um, A cool one that we did recently is uh, Danny, one of our PTs, is a certified bike fitter. Oh, awesome. And so I can probably, I can probably say this, uh, a Newberg, uh, big part of the community is ADEC, right? ADEC Dental. Yep. So we do a lot of work with ADEC. They're a phenomenal company, just wonderful people. And I was walking around campus with one of their, uh, one of their HR folks. And I noticed these employees walking out of one of the buildings and they're pushing their bikes. And I go, Hey, do you have a lot of people that ride their bike around here? He goes, Oh yeah, we have a huge cycling population, you know, cause it's like out in wine country and people cycle around. So I was like, Hey, we should put together an event where Danny, uh, one of our amazing PTs comes out and does bike fitting. Yeah. We had like a hundred people sign up. That's amazing. And so the cool thing about that is once again, you're empowering people to continue uh, on their health and wellness and fitness journey by giving them a great bike fit. Yeah. And then they're able to ride their bike more comfortably you know, limit injuries on the bike. So that's like just a good example of how we might put an event together. No, I love that. Um, You know, and it makes me just think about, you know, what are some of the biggest concerns or, you know, not every company has a bike community that, that gets out and is active, but what are some of the most common things that you see in the corporate wellness sector? You know, maybe it is the stress management, but um in terms of movement, in terms of biggest complaints, like what are some things that you commonly see at these companies that maybe everyday people would also have issues with? Absolutely. So a big one, you know, that gets brought up a lot when we ask, you know, companies or we do surveys and things like that. Hey, what should we talk about? How should we build our programming? Uh, Like injury risk reduction, Mm -hmm. neck pain, back pain, repetitive jobs, even people who are sitting at desks, uh, yeah. for hours a day yeah. on the computer, work from home population yeah. is another huge yeah. one. Uh, cause you know, since COVID, say, this is a grown. huge thing, right? Yeah. Um, so we do talk a lot about posture positions, yeah. neck pain, back pain, um, and how people can sort of, you know, you mentioned self-care, right? Mm-hmm. Everything we do on the corporate wellness side is education based. Yeah. Like we're trying to give people, the background knowledge, empower them to be able to take the locus of control and mm-hmm. kind of not feel reliant on other people, but be like, yeah. hey, I've got the knowledge to kind of take care of this on my own. Right. You know, that's really what it comes down to. Um, so those would be big ones. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of, we always do a lot of top tips, but we were chatting before we started recording about 
you know, you just had a presentation the other day talking about neck pain, back pain, some of the biggest causes for either injury or, or maybe just day to day aggravation where people are just like, my neck has been killing me for months and I can't Mm -hmm. get it to stop. Some of it's stress related. I will say, even in my experience, having people come in, they're wearing their shoulders like earrings and they don't understand why they have neck pain. So what are some of those tips that you had or that you were sharing the other day with this presentation that you had? If I don't get there, remind me to come back to the stress thing. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so when we talk about neck pain, back pain, especially it's related to like postures and positions, kind of the old school of thought is that, you know, if you have perfect posture, Mm -hmm. you will prevent pain. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, we can say pretty confidently is probably not the case. Right. Probably has a lot more to do with dosage. Mm-hmm. And so just to expand on dosage, yeah, right? what does that mean? A lot of times I'll put up a picture of, have you ever heard of, like, I know you have, but like text neck? Yep. Oh, you yeah. Know, people, yep. You see these pictures where like people are in this texting position, their neck's all hunched over. <clears throat> and um, I'll put this picture up of this person texting, right? And I'll say, hey, is this a good or a bad position? And every time everybody's like, it's a bad position. Yeah. Like, that's going to mess up your discs and your totally. you know, neck strains and all sorts of stuff. And then right next to it, I'll be like, okay, put up, I kind of trap the people. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> like yeah. a little trick. Uh-huh. Put up a picture of Usain Bolt, fastest person to ever walk the face of the earth, yeah. you know, hundred meter world record holder and coming out of the starting blocks. And he's in this like text neck position, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. And so the picture, the neck position looks almost exactly the same. Right. And I'll say, is this a bad position? People will be like, uh, well, like, no. And they'll be like, okay, so what's the difference? And people always get it. They're like, it's the time spent there, right? Right. So I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like the dosage is the time spent or the intensity right. or the number of reps or whatever it is, right? Where that position in and of itself isn't bad or good. It just is like, you should be able to flex your neck and extend your neck. Yeah. Like we're made to do that. That's yeah. good. But it has everything to do with the, uh, the dosage of that position. Once again, with neck pain, <clears throat> I could probably like, if somebody came to me and was like, I want to be the world, I want to set the world record, be the best text necker in the world. <laughs> be like, I want to hold this position for 24 hours and feel good. Be like, okay. Cool. Weird goal, but okay. Like let's <laughs> no, weird goal. let's start with sets of 20 minutes. Like yeah. what can you tolerate? Well, at baseline, I can tolerate 20 minutes in this position. Okay. So let's do three sets of 20 minutes. Like I'm kind of being facetious, right? right? Yeah. But like dosing stress um, ultimately leads to building capa- capacity to tolerate, you know, more time spent in that position or more intensity. Right. Same concept applies, you know, I can round my back to bend over and tie my shoes and I'm mm-hmm. fine, you know, but if I round my back to pick up a 300 pound barbell, like right. the intensity is high enough to where that's probably going to be bothersome. Right. Could I train myself to pick up a heavy barbell with a rounded back? Right. Pro- yeah, yeah, I could. Yeah. Right. It, but it's all about dosage and building capacity. Right. Um, can I keep riffing? Absolutely. I would love it. 
So when it comes to capacity building, something that's, remember, this idea of capacity building, there's a dosage that you're going to adapt positively to, and then there's a dosage that you could potentially adapt negatively to, right? Okay. So how do you build capacity and kind of control your own dosage to allow yourself to adapt positively? The concept of RPE Mm -hmm. helps people a lot with this. RPE means rate of perceived exertion yep, or your rating of your perceived exertion. So basically I'll just keep it simple with people and use like a zero to 10 scale right? and say, Hey, you know, let's say we're in the clinic doing a physical therapy drill. I'll say, how challenging is this on a zero to 10 scale? Mm -hmm. 10 is like the hardest thing you've ever done. You know, you're climbing Mount Everest, knocking on death's doorstep, right? Yeah. Hardest thing in the world. Zero is like, you're just chilling, sitting Mm -hmm. on your couch. um, And let people kind of rate how difficult something is on that zero to 10 scale. And typically, you know, there's a lot of research that shows training at a six out of Mm -hmm. 10 is very beneficial for strength building. And then in my world, what I kind of mentioned that idea of capacity building, right, where you're dosing yourself. So you do not absolutely have to train to failure, be at a 10 out of 10 all the time when you're stressing your body. But working at like a comfortable Mm -hmm. six out of 10 level can help people um, kind of dose out or figure out, hey, like what's appropriate for me to be in this idea of dosing the stress appropriately to build capacity. Yeah. The other side of that coin is if on any given day, you know, let's just take something really simple like a squat, right? Mm -hmm. If let's say you're doing squats and you're holding a 20 pound weight, and you're saying that's a six out of 10 on Monday. And then let's say Tuesday, you get really bad sleep. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, very stressful at work. And you go back and you are you go to lift that 20 pound weight again on Thursday, let's say. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, 20 pounds is like a nine out of 10 today. Yeah. No problem. Drop the weight a little bit and kind of find that six. Right. And then on every, any given day, it kind of allows you to be in control of yeah. that training stimulus, right? Yeah. So, you know, as you're working on kind of building capacity to tolerate challenging positions, whether mm-hmm. it's sitting at your desk or whether it's, you know, a repetitive job in manufacturing or on a construction site or whatever it yeah. is, you kind of have control where you're like, okay, I can, I can manage this, you know, or... or work to build more capacity to tolerate more stress, which then leads to decreased sensitivity of neck tissue, back, et cetera. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So for someone who might be listening that has neck pain, back pain, maybe they have a more sedentary job where they're not doing something that requires much muscle involvement. Well, I guess it's all relative. Sitting for a long time can require a lot of different muscle involvement. So for someone who sits 12 to 14 hours a day, maybe they're at home, maybe they're um, at work, but they get relatively little movement throughout their day. Mm -hmm. What are some tips there? So I touched on, there are basically three concepts that I would like really hammer home with this. Dosage and capacity building. Mm -hmm. We kind of touched on already. Yep. Movement variability would Mm -hmm. probably be the third. And I know this is going to sound ridiculously simple, but it is the most beneficial thing. Once again, rather than like saying, okay, sit in perfect posture for 12 hours a day at your computer, which once again, even just sitting with perfect posture for 12 hours, 
you'll probably develop some sensitivity to your perfect posture position, right? Right, yeah. So I like to talk about this idea of movement variability where uh, not from like a neuroscience standpoint, but more like from a day-to-day, like everyday person standpoint is this notion of, you know, if you notice that, you know, after 30 minutes of sitting, Mm -hmm. your neck starts to tighten up or becomes painful or same thing with your back dosage, set Mm -hmm. a timer, right? Add in a little movement variability and it can be as simple as a walk or just standing up like Sure, I'll I'll prescribe specific drills for people to do. Yeah. But, you know, if I haven't evaluated you, if I don't know you, just in general, mm-hmm. just going for like a little walk. If you're a work from home, go go yeah. a little walk around your house. Uh get up, go fill your water bottle or whatever yeah. if you're in the office and come back. Um if you are constantly in this kind of like computer position, stand up, stretch out, like get out of yeah. that position even just briefly. Yeah. So that's dosage. You're yeah. adding in some variability into your day-to-day routine. And then um, if you want to throw capacity building into that equation for the desk type workers, you know, maybe you start for a couple of weeks at that 20 minute yeah. timer and you're like, actually, you know what? I've got like 30 minutes now and I actually feel pretty good. Yeah. You're starting to build a little capacity, right? So you're dosing out whatever your current capacity is, yeah, you're dosing out a little bit more and a little bit more. And eventually, ideally, you wouldn't need to take those breaks, but you still do it because you're like, no, it's good to get up and move, yeah. uh, change position. I will tell you that is so much more effective than me as a physical therapist, kind of creating all these biomechanical issues and right. saying like, hey, you're, you know, C5 vertebrae doesn't move three degrees to the left, you know, right. I'm so much more interested in being like, okay, you know, this person has differences, you know, uniqueness about them and right. how they move and how their bodies put together and their anthropometrics and all that. And great. Like, let's just build capacity right. with what, like the uniqueness that you're bringing to the table. Yeah. Right. I'll throw in in there. Yeah. Let me know what you think of this. Please do. So sometimes I'll tell people cause they get up and walk or they stand or they have a stand up desk and they're still in relatively the same posture with their upper body. Say they have neck or back yeah. pain. Sometimes I'll even take people out of that and have them lie on the ground, completely unweight their head, completely unweight their back. Maybe they do some thoracic rotations or thoracic, meaning mid-back rotations or extensions on the floor. And that actually helps reduce some of that pain. Kind of labeling it as a micro break or, mm-hmm. or taking maybe lessening that um that repetitive strain and that kind of that chronic position because they don't have the capacity to quite stay that in that position for two hours. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think about that. I love it. I mean, the micro breaks, it can be like, this is where people miss the boat sometimes. It's like, they feel like they have to have this like specific, you know, this one drill is like, and it's like Instagram stuff, right? Oh yeah, it's like, yeah, totally. This one drill will change your life with right. neck and back pain. right. And I will tell you like something as general as just laying down, just like you said, yeah. on the ground is great. Um, taking a walk, moving your neck from side to side. You know, yeah. if you're always in this forward position, just kind of opening up. And just to reiterate, those aren't bad positions, right? right. There's no good or bad right. when it comes to positions. Like it's what do you have the capacity for? What can you right. tolerate at any given time? 
And that's ultimately, you know, the name of the game with repetitive postures, repetitive work environment, et cetera. You said to come back to stress. Yeah. So one thing that's really interesting, you know, uh, we, and JD, I'm sure you in the clinic will get this from time to time is like, people will come in and they'll be like, I carry my stress Mm. in my neck, Yeah. you know, and they're like, have this tension and tightness. And for the longest time, like I didn't really know what to do with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's really interesting. We're starting to find, uh, going back to the autonomic nervous system, you have kind of like your sympathetic stress fight or flight side of your mm-hmm. autonomic nervous system. And then you've got your parasympathetic, parasympathetic, like rest, recovery, restorative side. And we're always kind of on this spectrum yeah. at any given time. Right. And it can change really quickly. Yeah. Like, if you are driving along and someone stops short in front of you, mm-hmm. you, that ever happened to you? Oh yeah. And you slam on your brakes and immediately you're not thinking about it. Right. But the heart rate goes crazy. Yep. You're white knuckling the steering wheel. Yep. All that tension increases. Your pupils dilate. You get the cold sweat. You get that like butterfly yeah. uh, epinephrine shot, yeah. you know, and it's this huge physiological cascade that occurs without you even thinking about it because of that like threat of danger of running yeah. into the person in front of you. Right. Right. You're like, Oh my gosh, that was crazy. Um, you know, that's an example of a big shift toward that stress side of the spectrum, but we're starting to understand like, you know, you white knuckle and the tension increases. There's evidence for a sympathetic side of that nervous system innervation to skeletal muscle tissue. And what I mean by that is that stress absolutely mm-hmm. plays a part in muscle tension yeah. that you might feel on a day-to-day basis. And then you can develop kind of a baseline yeah. where you're in that like stress tension position. Yeah. So something as simple as, once again, so if it's not a muscle tissue issue where you're mm-hmm. like, my muscles are mechanically shortened, right? it's more like this stress response is just kind of driving... Um, it's subconscious. That subconscious, yeah. call it overactivity maybe, right. yeah. or like guarding response or yeah. tone. Um, we probably don't want to focus too hard on like changing the mechanical tissue or like changing the tissue structure so much. Yeah. But if we play with the brain and we can get that stress response to calm down, mm-hmm. a lot of times people will say, oh, wow, I can like feel my that tension releasing. Right. So something super simple like a breathing drill. Yeah. If you stimulate your diaphragm with a, you know, targeted breathing drill, you'd be shocked how many people just through breathing can reduce tension in the neck, the the low back. And just to keep it really practical, like with breathing, you're trying to stimulate your diaphragm, which is innervated innervated by your vagus nerve, which talks to your brain. Uh, predominant uh, nerves in the uh, like neurons in the vagus nerve are from the diaphragm to the brain. So they're talking to the brain, giving you yeah. information. If you can do like a breath in where you're pushing your belly button away from the spine, flattening out the diaphragm and just kind of stimulating your diaphragm muscle, it's a good signal yeah. from the diaphragm to the brain to downshift on yeah. that stress spectrum which then can lead to reduction in muscle tension, et cetera. So I very, I, in fact, I don't at all tell people to like stretch out their neck muscles. Right. I'm like, let's play with the brain and kind of see if we can get that stress response to reduce through some targeted breathing. Yeah. 
And it can be one to two minutes of breathing. Yeah. And you might notice a big reduction yeah. in tension. That's great. Uh, we just had Kim Eppen on and she talked about square breathing or box breathing mm -hmm. that the Navy SEALs do. Yep. Um, she took us through a drill of that. But I like even the simplicity of feeling your belly come out because mm -hmm. that is telling us that our diaphragm is contracting and it is moving down. So we're actually massaging, if you want to call it, yep. that nerve and causing those muscles to chill out just a little bit. Any breathing, like there are so many different breathing styles out there. Yeah. As long as you are flattening the diaphragm by pushing the belly button away from the spine and then pulling the belly button back in toward the spine. Yeah. Getting that diaphragm to come back up, flatten out. Right. Come back up and, and kind of going slow with it. Yeah. That's the stimulation that ultimately right. leads to the to the stress reducing response. Right. So, that's amazing. Yeah. Because if you can think about holding your breath all day or having this mechanical stress, meaning, you know, the muscles tightening, but as a response to that nervous system if you can imagine being in that all day long yeah. over time that will cause this kind of sensitivity to rise up or this kind of subconscious irritation that your pain may not be in your head but you don't you're not maybe aware of this like low level of stress that ends up raising and that creates all this muscle and body tension that's yeah. amazing i mean if you're just living in that stress response yeah which many people are you we would call it like sympathetic overreaching okay. where you just kind of at baseline are shifted toward that stress side of the spectrum. Yeah. It's going to amplify yeah. sensitivity. It's going to amplify tension. Yeah. Um, it's going to make you more emotionally, um, labile, labile, reactive, reactive. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I makes mean, a lot of sense. there's all sorts of, uh, negative responses that yeah. can happen when you're chronically shifted that way. That makes a lot of sense. So I know we've already talked about some tips and usually, during these episodes, we're going a little bit over on time, but usually we kind of pull in these kind of like top three takeaways. Mm -hmm. Are there three takeaways that people can introduce in their day to day? Maybe it's the neck and back pain reduction. Maybe it's the the stress. But are there three that you can summarize that you say these three big things will help make your your day at work or your your wellness at work so much better? Three things. You can go rogue and say, I want top one or top five. Doesn't Three matter. things is good. So I'll give okay. one very big picture. Okay? okay. And this is really important to me and uh, I know to you, JD, and really kind of the whole George Fox PT community, my company, HQ as a whole, is you should be uh, working with people or um, interact, like if you're interacting with like a clinician, a PT, a doctor, whatever it might be, um, you should always be in a position where you are taking the locus of control. You're empowered to take control of your own situation. Yes. Not be in a position of reliance on somebody else. Right. Yes. And so that's just a big picture where, you know, as, as you, as a person who's evaluating, all of this crazy health and wellness info that we get on Instagram, in the mm -hmm. grocery store, on the magazine covers, yep. just as a general litmus test. Like if that's not information that's leading you to be more in control of your own situation, it's probably not great info. Yeah. So just as a little litmus test there. Uh, number two would be probably just the idea of like dosage and movement variability, mm -hmm. um, not being fearful of movement. You know, that's yeah. another big thing that we see quite often 
is just there's a lot of fear mongering that yeah. goes on with, you know, like flexing your spine or extending your spine or don't do this exercise or don't don't bend forward right. or don't extend or right. uh, all of this kind of negative language. But just remember, you're totally able to do that stuff. And you might not be able to today, you know, if you yeah. have an injury or, uh, you know, some sort of issue that's stopping you from doing something, that's okay. Yeah. But you absolutely have the adaptability to build capacity to work toward whatever version of right. bending your spine or right. picking up a weight or squatting right. or running or whatever Love it is. That. You have the adaptability. Right. You know, people say running is bad for your knees. Running's not bad for your knees. Running can actually, from a research-based standpoint, can be great for your knees as long as it's dosed appropriately. Right. Same thing with squatting. Same thing with deadlifting. Deadlifting right. can be great for your back as long as it's dosed appropriately. Right. So just keeping that in mind, like we're very adaptable. Right. Dosage, capacity building, that all plays a big role in it. And then this is uh, my third one. Okay. This is totally on the fly right here, but uh, have fun with your health and wellness and yeah. fitness. Um, this is something that's just been on my heart recently is like so much of it seems like so serious all the time. You know, right. it's like, once again, going back to the fear mongering thing, it's like, don't do this. It's bad for you. Don't do that. It's like, no, like do what's do find something that you enjoy. Try a bunch of different things. Yeah. Go to that, uh, fitness class, you right. know, that you might be putting off because you're like, I don't want to look stupid or whatever. It's like, totally. give it a try. Right. Uh, if, you know, you're like, hey, I want to start running and um, I don't know what to do, you yeah. know, find someone that can help you out and don't, uh, don't be afraid to have fun with fitness. Do stuff that sparks your interest. Right. Try things that push you out of your comfort zone. I will tell you some of the most rewarding stories that I've heard with patients, corporate wellness, et cetera, is when people are nervous to try something yeah. and then they try it and they're like, oh my gosh, this is like my identity now. Totally. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So pickleball is a great example. People are get after it. all about pickleball. Go play some pickleball. I love it. Try different things. Have fun with it. Don't take yourself too seriously. Um, it can be such an enriching thing for your right. life to just try new things and don't be afraid to look like an idiot from time to time. I love that. That's all right. I love that. It's part of you the know, journey. And even grab someone at work, grab a friend at work. Yes. Get a bike club going. I Whatever it is that you like, I think employers should be allowing the time for play and yeah. for move, movement as well. So anyway, well, I appreciate your time, Ryan. This was such a fun conversation. And I know the people that are listening are the ones that are meant to hear it. And just want to encourage everybody to heed Brian or heed Brian's advice and move forward with something that you enjoy and, and get yourself healthy. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, thanks for JD. being here. Appreciate it. Of course. This video podcast is a production of George Fox Digital. To find more material like this, you can subscribe to George Fox Talks on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Our team really appreciates your feedback in the form of likes, comments, and reviews, and we'd really love to hear what you think. To sign up for our weekly email list and to keep up to date with the latest episodes and publications, you can check us out on the web at georgefox.edu talks. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.